Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by the fantastic Jesse Eisenberg to talk all about his latest film, Manodrome. And I know that one of the things that you did extensively in preparing for this role was obviously a lot of the physical training and, and working with a trainer specifically, going to the gym very frequently, even when production pushed back by six months, extending that time period. Yes. Um, but I was really interested in kind of like going through that regiment yourself, the psychological space of the character that that really helped you to tap into. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for um, speaking with me today. That's really nice, Mar. Um, yeah, it was a strange experience, like basically going to the gym all the time. But it occurs to me that probably I was doing what most actors do generally, which is go to the gym all the time, even for roles that are not like. But this for me was quite unusual because I don't have that like physique naturally. And it was like this dual thing of like um, the kind of monotony of going to the thing and then uh, you know, which is something I've never experienced. Um, and then like the kind of, you know, kind of questioning your own physique because suddenly you're starting, starting to see changes and how that, and how those changes like affect you on the inside of like feeling differently about your body. And then the third thing that was kind of unusual and new for me was just like the weird unspoken camaraderie at the gym. Cause you end up seeing the same people. And so as I was thinking about my experiences and then like what the character's dealing with in the movie, like the character starts to feel, you know, severe shame about his body and then starts to develop these strange, perverse, dangerous, you know, kind of toxic relationships with the other people at the gym. So I was kind of like filtering everything that I was experiencing in a very dramatic way that was not actually occurring to me, but because of the movie, I was thinking about it. And that idea of the camaraderie is interesting because that's the complete opposite to what the character experiences, where he's very withdrawn and invisible in a lot of society. And we see him, you know, whether he's driving people around in his car for work or whether he's at the gym, he's very much kind of always in the background. Um, and so how did you kind of find the space of as he starts to try and kind of find more, him, more of himself in this toxic masculine group where he's trying to like claim space? How did you want to create that shift? That's such a, an astute way to think about it. And you're exactly right. He doesn't feel like comfortable or at home in this environment. And that was just an incredibly easy thing for me to feel because it was all new for me. You know, I grew up, you know, it kind of like in the suburbs in New Jersey. And like there was a great emphasis on like sports where I grew up, which is, you know, probably pretty typical for suburban life. Um, but I was interested in like the arts, obviously. And so, you know, I did always have these kind of concerns and thoughts and feelings of inadequacy about, you know, not being as strong or tough as, you know, the popular guys in school. Um, so that stuff was all very kind of understandable to me. My character, though, in the movie takes it to such an extreme, whereas I had kind of self-consciousness and feelings of inadequacy. This character has like a level of, you know, self-hatred and confusion that is, 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 is overwhelming and incredibly, you know, is life-threatening to him. And so, yeah, that, uh, again, like, you know, anytime you're preparing to do a kind of role, you're kind of like filtering all of your experiences through maybe what the character would experience. And so my levels of like feeling inadequate were, you know, enhanced or feeling shame were enhanced because it's not like I was playing a character that was a superhero who feels the greatest confidence about his physique. On the contrary, my character feels like it's never enough. And so working out every day and feeling like the gains that I was making were not as big or that uh, I was constantly surrounded by people who are much bigger. I live in Chelsea in New York City. And like, it seems like the strongest men in the world all live in Chelsea. 
Um, and so you're kind of like walking around, you know, surrounded by people who are massive. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where like normally I wouldn't think about it because I think of myself as somebody in the arts who cares, you know, how I look or whatever. I mostly write during the day, you know, but thinking about it for this movie and feeling the struggle to gain weight and muscle in the time frame of the movie put that same kind of pressure on me. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you sharing that and talking about that. And it also kind of, it makes me think about the fact that every single one of us, like we all have that self-critical voice and inner dialogue in our heads. Was it was it helpful for you to think about that in terms of Ralphie as a character and what would his inner dialogue be? Because it seems like that's something that's probably very prevalent for him. Yes. I mean, only in my kind of like worst emotional times have I experienced probably what he's experiencing, which is a complete lack of um self-awareness and self-understanding and kind of like um god i don't know what the kind of postmodernist term is but something along the lines of like self-wellness or one of these things you know where you kind of like learn to accept yourself and you learn to embrace whatever it is that you are feeling and whatever your flaws are so to speak like he is just devoid of any of that he's a mixture of confusion self-hate childhood trauma and rage and um you know, again, I've experienced all those things, like all of us, we've all experienced those things. But, you know, my job typically is to kind of like funnel those things into a fictional character. And, uh, you know, nothing is more interesting, exciting and accessible than acting in a movie where all of those extremes come to the surface, because, you know, that's what you're trained to do as an actor, to kind of find all those parts of yourself and manifest them into a character and it just so happens that 99% of movie parts are not that. Most movie parts are, you know, you're playing the son of a person and you have a conversation with them or you're at an office, you know, and this was just like all of these extreme, you know, uh, you know, ex extreme behaviors and emotions um, were the exact call. And because so much of the character is internalized in terms of what you're doing in your performance as well, I was really interested in how you found a lot of the, the pacing of the character because he's not someone who rushes to speak out loud. There's a lot of scenes where we're really just kind of quietly observing and even just the physical movement. He's not kind of a fast moving character in moments most of the time either. Yeah. I mean, I really credit this incredible director, John Trengove, who I've never had a kind of working relationship with a director like this, where we just spent weeks talking about and experimenting, truly just experimenting with different voices, different pacing, different walks. And again, I've never had that experience where the director just asked me, and I, of course, asked him too, can we just try different voices on? So there was a period of rehearsals where I was speaking in a kind of almost falsetto and we both thought it was great. Like it was not a thing that we laughed at and then dismissed. We thought actually this could be really interesting and then went down an octave and then discussed pacing. Cause obviously as you can speak to me now and you'll see that I can speak pretty quickly, but this character does not have like the same method of articul articulation, same education as me, same probably mental quickness and acuity that I might have because he stifled himself so much. And so it was kind of like about finding that stuff and then kind of internalizing a lot of it. So this kind of rage becomes uh, internalized rather than cathartically, um, you know, out there all the time. Yeah. And, and did you and John also talk about, because there's so many different layers and textures to how his anger expresses itself. Sometimes it's verbal, sometimes it's physical. Um, and there's different reasons for him being triggered at different points in the movie as well. So how did the two of you find what are the different layers and what's what's kind of that buildup of a pressure cooker? 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. And also, you know, as an actor, you're also kind of, uh, you have to kind of reveal a bit to the audience of what the feelings are inside. So it can't be to the, can't be so internal to the point where it's like blank. Cause I performed that kind of thing too. And unfortunately it doesn't really work, which is just, it's so internal that almost it's uh, almost opaque. And so, yeah, we were just kind of talking about, you know, every relationship in the movie. I mean, it's movies really designed as like a character piece. So where, and what that means is that like all the other characters in the movie have some kind of differing, different effect on, my character, some make me feel empowered. You know, my partner, she makes me feel empowered and then also ashamed because I feel inadequate around her. I feel inadequate as like a new father. Um, and uh, and then the guys in the kind of like um, in the group that I join are kind of like um, initially intimidating. And then I kind of start to see them for who they are. Some are manipulative. Some are just good people taken down a bad path. And um, I kind of start to see where I fit in. And then some people are just kind of placeholders for my rage. So there's a guy I see in the bathroom and I just attack him. And this guy is basically literally a blank face for me to, um, you know, exact all the rage that I've carried for years, you know, unfortunately onto this innocent soul. And you brought up there the fact that your character is also going through impending fatherhood he's you know his partner's pregnant um and there's a conversation about her saying you know you're the one that that encouraged me to keep the baby so you can tell there's been a dialogue and that being a father is something that has felt important to him um yes. and yet it's causing him to revisit so much childhood trauma from his own dad abandoning him and, and leaving him behind um and so how did you kind of view that relationship that he's having with almost his inner child and his inner self because all of that's coming to the surface for him again yeah, that's interesting. And again, you put that better than ever I could. But um, yes, exactly. It's like the kind of strange um, conflict where like, you know, you think perhaps having a child will make you feel like an adult and erase all of the, you know, pain of your past. And maybe for some people that does work, but it also seems to me like probably not the best solution. Um, and so this character, I guess, assumes that maybe having a child would kind of like, uh, you know, bring him into a new phase in his life where he can kind of forget previous pains and uh, traumas. And then uh, as the baby is about to be born, suddenly all that stuff comes to the surface, which is, I would say, psychologically exactly what you would expect. But for people who are maybe mired in their own struggles, maybe they can't see it. And then the other thing you mentioned about like, um, kind of like having these almost like Freudian ideas of his past and trauma from his own father and perpetuating that cycle is like the nature of the movie, which just read to me and felt to me like when I was acting in, in it felt to me just like um, uh, performing in a nightmare. Like uh, when I read the script, it seemed like somebody had just transcribed their recent nightmare on, onto a pay onto the page. It, it, it had kind of almost, jumps in logic but not jumps in emotional logic if you know what I mean like you're wondering like why is this character suddenly here now but it makes sense emotionally because the character is kind of losing track of time or losing track of you know uh you know it's like when you see somebody who's delusional experiencing delusions for them there's like an internal logic emotionally but that doesn't make sense to outsiders and that's in some ways what this character was dealing with 
Yeah. And I, and I also wanted to, to talk a little bit about his relationship with Sal, um, played by Odessa Young, and how the two of you kind of built that history, because there's even a line that she says to Ralphie about, you know, having having shared pain and shared trauma isn't enough as like yeah. kind of a foundation of a relationship, which I thought was really interesting because you see a lot of what's brought them together, but also they're in a space where they're very, they're kind of becoming more aware of the fractures and the distance between them at the same time. And so how did you two find the ways in which you wanted them to feel very connected and the ways in which you wanted there to be a lot of space between them? Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm sure a lot of relationships do start because of similar pain, but that's obviously not like a sustainable thing to hold you together in times where, you know, one might, one person might need some extra help, you know, um, and the other person might not be like equipped emotionally to give it. And so in this movie, like she, uh, you know, is kind of like trying to progress in her life. And I'm clearly regressing at a rapid and dangerous pace by kind of like, you know, having these like traumatic flashbacks of my childhood and then also kind of like reverting to a boy. I mean, ultimately towards the end of the movie, he just becomes kind of like a little boy because uh, he has lost uh, kind of the thread on what he was aiming for as a man. And um, yeah, and Odessa is an unbelievably brilliant actress. I mean, she really is just truly a remarkable actress that, you know, came in uh, to, do a, to do a difficult part because the character in some ways is seen a little bit through my eyes. And so, you know, in some ways you're kind of viewing her in a skewed way and she's just so superb because she gave the character, I would say, the necessary backbone to not feel like, uh, you know, she was like just a part of my storyline. You really had the sense that, oh, this person has a full life and a kind of uh, rich sense of their own integrity. And, you know, that's exactly what an actor in that kind of role has to do, because that role has the potential danger without it without a great actress of kind of falling into just um my character's perspective of her rather than her own kind of spirit and she's just superb and the character you know and she does this great thing which is that when you're watching scenes between us you feel a little bit more comfortable with her than me and that's just great especially for me as the actor playing the character has a more unstable relationship with the audience and for Ralphie as well, there's also the complication of the fact that he's also dealing with his own relationship with his sexuality throughout the film as well. And there's such a place of self-hatred and anger that comes from that as well. Um, and kind of diving into spoiler territory a little bit later in the film, I wanted to ask in particular about filming the scene where he allows himself to have an experience in, in the gym with another man. And then it turns into violence from his end as he's kind of like going back to that place of self-hatred immediately after. Because I thought that scene was asking so much of you as a performer. So I was just interested in how you found all those different layers. Yes. When people ask me what the movie is about, I just basically say, okay, well, two thirds into the movie, this scene happens. And they're like, oh, oh okay. It's a drama. Yeah. So um, yes, because in that span of, I don't know, two or three minutes. Yes. There's quite a lot that occurs. And like, you know, again, it just felt to me like it's this emotionally true nightmare where the character is both experiencing, you know, elation, but elation from the most unexpected places and also terror. Uh, and mostly of most of that terror is just derived from his own sense of self-hatred, you know, which is obviously what's happening there. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was the most unusual scene uh, I've ever been in in my life. And, you know, we had this incredible um, intimacy coordinator. And so me and this 
absolutely wonderful actor um, who played in the scene with me, um, um, Salou is his name, uh, um, um, worked on this scene from a very technical perspective because we're supposed to have this incredibly intimate experience, an experience that I personally have never had. Um, and, and also this very violent uh, experience together. And we had this intimacy coordinator with us who just talked us through every moment. So there was this very technical rehearsal on how this particular thing, this sexual encounter should occur. Um, I talked to, you know, even like, forgive me for saying this, but like a therapist about this, about what I would be thinking and experiencing both physically and emotionally. And um, we did the scene a few times. Uh, the camera department was absolutely superb and so sensitive because there were three people in the room, me, Salou, the other actor and a camera person. And we were basically like, how can we kind of run this scene in a way that feels seamless, which means not a lot of quick cuts. And when you're not doing a lot of quick cuts in a movie, it means that you have to run the scene in real time. And if one little element of the scene doesn't work, you have to throw out that particular take. So there was like a, both a technical challenge as well as like an emotional and physical one. And God, at the end of the day, you know, as an actor, oftentimes you kind of go home at the end of the day and feel like, I didn't feel like I did my, the best job today that I could have done because I was staring at a green screen and pointing at a fake fire, you know, which is like a lot of movies. But at the end of that day, I just felt like, I felt like I had acted in something for a year. You know, I felt like I had done like the work of like, you know, that I feel normally after I finish a play that you do a play for six months and you just feel this like cathartic thing. Like, wow, I just acted for a long time and I felt I developed in some articulatable way. And that's how I felt after this. And me and Salou just were like, we should get a beer and just, uh, just feel that that's over and that scene is done. <laughs> and And lastly, I wanted to talk about kind of the relationship that you have with directors at this point after stepping behind the camera yourself in directing when you finished Saving the World, because I've heard you say that it actually has made you feel more comfortable on set because you're so much more aware of, you know, the director's not only focused on my performance, they're also juggling all these things. And so how has that changed the the dynamic and experience of filmmaking for you? Thank you so much for asking that, Mara. That's a really nice question and exactly exactly right. I, when I was directing and I just finished directing my uh, my new movie, which stars both myself and Kieran Culkin. So I got to have half a situ half a thing of directing a genius actor and half a thing of just contending with my own self on, on camera. And, um, you know, it's so funny because, um, yeah, when I was doing my first movie and the actor was Julianne Moore and she's the greatest, you know, American actor, um, you know, uh, um, and, and, you know, and just kind of seeing her perform so brilliantly it occurred to me like the last of my worries on set was 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 her i was worried about planes being delayed you know for crew members that were coming in halfway through the filming and all this other stuff and you know paint swatches on the wall etc and uh i had always had this strange thought which i realize in retrospect is not true which is just that directors on set are constantly pissed off at the actors in their movie because i just feel so self-conscious on set and feel like oh of course the director must be if furious about me because I must be because I missed that one beat that I wanted to get or something and it just turns out that that's just not what's going through the mind of directors and so working on this movie Manodrome which had which relied so heavily on me being good in it and me being connected to it and engaged with it and emotionally on point all the time just made me feel like okay I'm going to worry about that stuff and I'm not going to worry that the director hates me and I 
would speak to John all the time. This is a very, he's a very collaborative, wonderful, sweet, empathic person. Um, and uh, I just rid myself of like, uh, of thinking that I was the problem, you know, on set. And that is something that I developed because I had amazing opportunity to direct other great actors who were working hard and to realize that my, my, you know, little missed moment in a scene from the morning is not the thing that's ruining everybody's lives. I, I love that experience for you. Well, it's such a ph phenomenal performance in this movie. So congratulations. And thank you so much, Jesse. You're so kind. Thank you for speaking to me with me.